you know, if we're going to keep getting sued, they said, we should just like, we should start a law firm. It's one of the most distinctive brands in the world, but it doesn't have a brand guide. World peace is also complicated and there's still one Nobel Peace Prize a year. Like it's, <laughs> it, it can be pretty simple. Navigating social media can be, well, complicated. Welcome to the Social Media Sucks Podcast from Cupco. Social media. Social media. Social media. Social media. Really sucks. Where we unpack the latest trends and help remove the suck from social media. Welcome to the Social Media Sucks Podcast by Cupco. You're tuning in for those marketing and get what's happening in the social media industry. We talk with the brightest minds in the marketing industry to bring you the latest insights. And with me today is my awesome CEO, Chris Carbonis, just to say something nice about him. And we have an exciting guest today as well, someone who is not just mastered the advertising game, but has actually reshaped it. He says so himself, he is a challenge seeker and an unforgettable creative force. Meet Kevin Lynch, former creative director at Oatly and one of the brains behind the infamous Department of Mind Control at Oatly. He's had various creative roles in both Asia, Scandinavia and the West. Kevin's global touch is unmistakable, so welcome, Kevin. I have the very first question for you guys, and mostly directed at Kevin to, to start with. So at Oatly, can you share some key insights from your time spent at the company and how this rule-breaking mentality drove its social media strategy? Sure, sure, thanks. And thank you for that glorious introduction. Um, you know, I think the, <laughs> I think, yeah, I, th I think if you want to know kind of what kind of culture you're in, you know, in terms of that mentality, like I would say, if you if you want to know how strong your company is, come up with a good idea and and see kind of what happens around you. You know, does that kind of create energy? Do people around you go, okay, that's going to mess up our media plan, but let's see what else we can do. Hey, it might make, make a, uh, a shift of budgets here and there. It might extend a timeline or what have you. Like, is there a problem solving mentality to go, this is a really cool idea. How do we bring it to life? Or is there, you know, sort of, you know, people constantly pointing out why something won't work or, hey, we haven't done it that way or, hey, that's changing the plan that we had. Um, and I, and I, I say that because at Oatly, my very first week, we were talking about a particular market, uh, in, in, uh, Europe. And the rumor was that we were going to get sued by the dairy industry. It, it happens on a pretty regular basis. They don't like it when, uh, when Oatly says, uh, 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 taglines like, like, um, it's like milk, but made for humans. And so, so we'll tend to get sued on a pretty regular basis. And as we're talking about an outdoor campaign in this one particular market, uh, one of the creatives just threw out an idea of, you know, if we're going to keep getting sued, they said, we should just like, we should start a law firm for us and for all the other plant-based companies. And just, you know, just to have this representation going on in these different markets so that we can actually get, you know, some fairness and, and, you know, level the playing field a little bit with, uh, with the dairy industry and the meat industry and what have you. And we spent the next two weeks like that's a completely different brief than what we entered that meeting for. But for the next two weeks, everyone was trying to problem solve and figure out how can we start a law firm? And and it went all the way to our lawyers themselves. And everyone was trying to figure it out. Ultimately, it, it you know, it would have meant that we would have to take on a, a huge chunk of liability for for what that law firm did. And we ended up not doing it. But just in those two weeks, it really kind of shined how how much that that um, that uh, that that rule breaking mentality was alive and well at Oatly, you know that that you know 
it's it, you know ultimately the the mission of Oatly is about creating change, you know, changing behavior. And anytime you do that, you're gonna run into tension, you know. And so the the fact that you know we, we had such a tolerance for tension, I think you know really kind of helped helped you know kind of throw out ideas that that might not have flown anywhere else, and certainly wouldn't have gained the enthusiasm anywhere else that it that it did uh, internally. So. Yeah, I think I think um, you know ultimately Oatly spends a fraction of what the dairy industry spends. You know, it, it needs to to uh, speak loudly when it does speak, and and I think that spills over into social media strategy as well. It doesn't necessarily drive it, but you know, I think from from a social media standpoint, what you see oftentimes is kind of like we, one of our mantras at Oatly was you know act like a human, not a brand, and so I think you see a lot of that in the social media strategy, in addition to kind of the rule breaking thing. Yeah, I love that. And I think you're kind of spot on with, you have to, you have to be uncomfortable a little bit. Like you have to, if it feels too easy, if it feels too comfortable, it probably won't break any rules. And it also allows, like, it sounds like you guys had a real, a real ability to uh, to fail, I guess you could say, like, or to to throw yourself out there and to potentially fail. That's where the best sort of creative ideas come from is that that sort of freedom to fail. And if you don't have that freedom, then, you know, you're just going to continue pushing towards the normal, whatever we can do, like, that's like every other brand, right? So it's a really uh, interesting insight. Yeah. Yeah, the, the 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 freedom to failure. There's there's a couple of guiding principles that the company has, and freedom to failure is kind of embedded in different language in a couple of them. And uh, and it's absolutely true. You just you never worried about you know having some sort of adverse reaction somewhere along the way. It just you you know that that's going to happen if you're asking people to to change their behaviors. It kind of leads into the, the next question. I know it's a, a couple of down uh, ones down from this, but you know how important is it for the whole entire company to have that mentality, like from the, the C level, from even the board of directors all the way down. And, and can you guys, can you retain that even as a company gets bigger? And I know you've had a lot of experience within different, you know, not just Oatly, but all sorts of creative companies. Have you seen it work in other companies and, and what has been the, I guess, you know, what's the secret sauce at, at Oatly versus maybe what other companies have experienced trying to grow and also still be that rule breaker? Yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's a, definitely a huge challenge. I think that to me, the thing that was really interesting was at, at Oatly, the very first thing. So Tony Peterson came in as CEO and I want to say 2012. John Schoolcraft um, came in as, as head of creative uh, right around that time as well. And those two had a terrific uh, working relationship already in personal relationship. And so there was this, this, you know, great, great sort of trust that was kind of embedded that I think really filters through the whole organization. But the very first thing that they did together was actually created what they called the book of change. Um, because Oatly had actually started in the mid nineties and up in uh, Lund, uh, just North of, of Malma here. And, and they realized that, you know, this company has been around for 20 years, has had modest success. Um, but, but in order to kind of have the, the trajectory of growth that they have had, the people really needed to think of, of that company in a, in a different way. And so they created the book of change, not for any oat drinker, oat milk drinker in the world, but, but just for their internal audience to kind of say, Hey, we need to shift ourselves from, 
a mindset of a food processing company to one that's more of a lifestyle brand. And I think that kind of showed the recognition of like just how important your internal audience is. Um, ultimately, I think the thing that's interesting is I think that book is a little bit of an anomaly. Oatly doesn't like to be overly prescriptive. Like it's one of the most distinctive brands in the world, but it doesn't have a brand guide. Like nothing is written down anywhere. Um, I, I was sort of compared it to it's, it's like, you know, knowledge is passed down through the stories that, you know, told by the tribal elders, <laughs> you know, but it, it really, um, they they don't you know put up big mantras on the on the wall uh, very often and so I think as you grow it th that those internal communications become even more important and if you want people to think differently that they become that much more important. One of the things that I was you know sort of loosely working on before I left was I was calling it the Oli Center for Unlearning, but it was basically just you know really strengthening the indoctrination of people who have come, you know, are coming into Oli from different companies. They've done great things at those companies, some of which will be applicable at Oatly, but some of it won't. You know, that if we if we as a as a company had followed all the rules, we wouldn't be in the position where we are now. And so it's really kind of to to respect um what 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 we do differently and make sure that that's you know sort of well understood and that people are really kind of pushing towards those uh those same goals. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I love that unlearning thing. Cause it is, I mean, it's so true. Like oftentimes when you hire people or people come in and, and usually you're hiring them to level up something or to, you know, bring, obviously you want them to bring value, but at the same time, like oftentimes we just sort of throw them into a role and say, okay, go do, do your thing. Like we hired you for a specific reason. We assume you know what you're doing. But that doesn't always end up being the best thing because oftentimes if your company is so different or is going down a different path, then then that person's knowledge from another place is maybe not that applicable. They need to find a way to make it applicable for your company. And I think a lot of times people forget that those things need to happen and you need to walk them through that. You need to have some expectation management, really set these goals, really set these sort of like, we need you to do this and basically unlearn a little bit of that stuff that you've already learned. So it's a, it's a bit of a difficult one. And I think it's cool that you're actually sort of pinpointed that area that needs to be worked on with all companies. Yeah. And, and to me, the, the Oatly is, is so distinctive in that way. Like that this isn't something that people are naturally going to pick up. Um, quite often they, they will again bring the, the sort of best practices of their previous places there and and again some of it applies but a lot of it doesn't it, it it takes a really different mindset to sit in a meeting about an outdoor campaign and have the idea from that meeting be let's go start a law firm and you're totally cool with that and so yeah i think that it just it takes a bit of training there's nothing wrong with that but uh, yeah, i think you just have to be really intentional in your actions and communications I think it demonstrates quite well this rule breaking mentality that you challenge kind of different areas within the company. I think um speaking of this rule breaking mentality, uh can you can we talk a little bit about, about you know being brave and thinking out of the box within advertising? Can you share some examples of uh of brand who have gained this edge through their advertising boldness? Yeah, you know, I, I think that I mean 
I think the best boldness kind of comes more from a product or from a company rather than the advertising. I think, you know, sometimes you'll see an interesting campaign, but, you know, it's a bit more of a blip on the radar. I, th I love the brands that have kind of redefined those categories. Oatly is certainly one. Um, you look at like Yeti, uh, you know, kind of redefining the, the whole cooler category or even like small things. There, there's a company in New York called Shower Cap with a bunch of H's um, that, that redefined shower caps, like just the most forgotten, you know, kind of item that you have in, in, a, in, a, in a bathroom and made them like incredibly stylish. Uh, you know, like, you know, the, the material changed, like the habits of, of you know, hair washing, um, they kind of looked at. And it's just, you know, I, I think, I, yeah, to, to me, like it, going deeper than just the advertising, I think, um, always makes for a more compelling story. I think it's it's hard not to mention Liquid Death um, uh, here as well. You know, that they were, I mean, it, it, the the interesting thing there is, I mean, they were not the first water you know water company to go hey let's have a more sustainable package let's let's put this in a uh, recyclable aluminum can um there's a company in chicago called open water that a few years earlier had done the same thing and had made sustainability kind of a core part of their message and i think liquid death has basically said hey we're going to make entertainment our, our core message and sustainability will be part of that and and that i think that balance has been is pretty similar to what you find at Oatly, you know, where you're gonna you're, you're going for eyeballs and um, and sort of attention first, and then and then working in your more substantive uh, message. How do you you can take something as you know as ubiquitous as a water company and be like, okay, let's go the complete opposite direction of wherever everyone's going about like how good the water is for you and how how you know fresh it is and how and they're like, let's go the opposite, let's go like this is liquid death, which it isn't, but it's just so funny that they just decided, okay, this was waters like life and you're 90% water, which is all horseshit, but you know, let's go the complete opposite. And I think that's, it's a way of looking at things. I think the opposite effect or the opposite, like just using that in your brainstorming, like, okay, if everyone's running this direction, how do we run the opposite direction and, you know, brainstorm on that. It's a, it's a really good way of unlocking uh, new ways of doing things. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think one of the one of the sort of bars we've always I, I've always had at Oatly, you know, prior to Oatly as well, is you know just the, that sort of fact that you know people are going to see anywhere between three and nine thousand ads a day, depending on which you know survey you believe. But all those surveys agree that you're going to remember two of them, and so I, I think that that's always sort of a filter as you're looking at work of like, is this one of the two? And, and, you know, so even if you don't, you know, sort of um, consciously say, hey, I need to be a counter thinker to what everyone else is doing. If you're trying to be one of the two, you're, you are probably going to end up going, all right, if everyone's doing X, we need to do Z or, or what have you. Um, yeah, I want to touch on a, a little bit of a, a controversial stand that you have, or, or maybe not so controversial, but we've talked about this and you've written about this in, in your social media and in, in uh, blogs, but um, you know, your, I don't want to say disdain, but your, your anti, anti awards, anti creative awards stance. Um, can you give us a little give our audience a little bit of background on your thoughts on, on advertising industry awards and, and what's your stand on that? 
Sure, sure. And I, I, I would say that, that well, I, I'd i say it's not so much an anti-awards. I think the, the whole thing is like crazy overblown and not doing what we want it to do. I think, like, I, I think, you know, award shows show how good a company it is at entering awards. I don't think it's necessarily highlighting great marketing per se. Um, and I, and I think awards have just become a really highly inaccurate measure of quality. I mean, there are, there's 628 categories that can this year. Uh, you know, like I, I think, like I think the rule should be if it takes you five days to give out all the awards, like you might be giving out too many awards. Um, so I don't, I don't think it, it I don't think it's, it's the, you know, I don't think it's the, um, uh, the measure of quality that he used to be. I also don't think it's a differentiator. I mean, there's all these agencies in the world who are like, you know, if we're going to win the most awards, then, you know, that's going to, you know, that's going to solidify your reputation. And it's just, everyone's winning. Like everyone's got a huge list of, of awards that they won. So you, you can't, like, I would say, if you think awards matter, you've never sat on the client side of an, of an agency pitch everyone's singing the same song. And so the, the fact that, that people are putting that much value into it, it's just, it's, it's just false. And so I, I wrote about it on, on LinkedIn primarily to just go, you know, Hey, just so you know, it's, it's like, it, it, it's setting off everyone's bullshit meters. If you want to keep doing it, knock yourself out. But ultimately, you know, again, like, you know, I think awards are, I think they used to put a spotlight on the most talented professionals that we, that, that are in our industry. And I think now they put a spotlight on the people who care most about winning awards. And I think that's, that's really different. Yeah. Yeah. And it's become uh, I mean, the inside joke is that it's, it's uh, it, it might make more money than advertising itself. You know, like the, <laughs> the, you know, the awards thing is, is a business on its own and it's a very lucrative business uh, these days. And, and I think, you know, it's a little bit like the joke of winning an Oscar or winning a, uh, you know, winning a Golden Globe, it, it can be bought in some ways. It, it can be acquired. You just have to put the right, um, you know, pressure in the right places and, and do the right things. And, you know, if you, you want to engineer your own awards these days, it seems to be that you need to tackle not necessarily a consumer problem or a communication problem, but you need to tackle a sustainability problem or a uh, gender ideology problem or a uh, oppressed people problem or something like that. Like, and then you'll get, or diversity inclusion, like you need to do those things and that'll get you an award, not necessarily actually solving what the advertising industry is supposed to solve, which is, you know, helping people find good products and, and tapping into that. Now, obviously like I believe in sustainability and I believe in diversity and inclusion, but I also very much know that, my job is to help companies sell their product at the end of the day. Like if they don't do that, then, then I'm not worth my, you know, fees, so to speak. Right. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it, it's, it's funny how like even, even something that's supposed to celebrate, you know, really, you know, uniqueness, creativity, there's a, there's a like-mindedness of stuff that wins and it'll go in different, you know, sort of stages based on eras. But I mean, I, I just don't think that if you really want to do great, ads i don't think your reference should be other ads you know it, like it just feels really you know it just feels like your whole frame of reference is wrong and i would also i mean to me the like i'm super passionate about great work i just don't give a shit about awards partly because awards don't make the work better if awards made the work work better i'd be all over awards 
but they don't. It's like they're, they're really awards are looking backward a year at, at what, you know, what was. And I think just, I, I think at, when we are at our best in this industry, we're looking forward. And so, you know, I, I also, I also think there's the, the obsession that we have with awards. It really kind of suggests that we aren't confident in what we do. Um, you know, that, that we need this outside validation. Um, it, it also suggests that, you know, maybe we're not capable of judging work our, you know, ourselves, so, you know, that we need to sort of outsource our opinion. And so I think there's all sorts of, you know, real negative things that, that come with the, the obsession there. If I were a CEO of a, of a company and I saw that my agency was, you know, winning, you know, more awards than anyone else, like I'd really <laughs> color my marketing person and be like, really, like, is this where we want to put the focus on, on people who are looking so, so inwardly? Um, so I, I do, like, I absolutely, I, I think the, I think it's great to have a collection of great work, you know, as, as an industry. I know for me, I didn't come out of like a fancy portfolio schooly thing. It was very much, uh, came into the business with crappy work and knew it was crappy and just learned. And the awards, like this, the, the ads that were awarded were a great instructor in terms of how to simplify a message, how to, you know, craft a line, like, you know, how to, you know, think counterintuitively. Like, so I think there's some great lessons there. It's just, you know, you, if you're at the point where I think Forbes said there was something like 900 shows a year, it's like, if you're at that, like, you know, that's, that's not really narrowing things down. That's not giving you a really good curation of, of work that we can all be inspired by, learn from, et cetera. How do you guys think we should do it then? So, so I, I always talk about, I, I've, I've, I've judged a bunch of the, the, the bigger shows and what have you. The most interesting show I ever judged was in Tampa, Florida. Uh, it was called the Right Brain Awards. And it was basically, there, there were a couple of really distinct features to it. Number one, like there were only 20 awards. Like they, they work with a local artist every year and they create that year's award. And there's only 20 of them. Um, so you have a really small number of winners. And then the second thing is there's no categories. And so as a judge, you walk in and they go, yeah, what makes you jealous? What makes you wish you would have done that? And so, you know, the, the year that I judged that, it was like there was a documentary. There was some letterhead that was fantastic. There were a couple ads. I mean, but you didn't have one campaign winning multiple categories because there wasn't one. You know, it just, you know, people decided to enter a single or a, or a full campaign, like, great, that, you know, you were going to win one award with that campaign. It wasn't going to be, you know, 58 short lists and, you know, uh, 13, 13 bronze, 20, you know, 15, so whatever, whatever the, uh, the total might be. So no, I, can, I think creating scarcity of what wins and then, um, you know, having that finite number of what's going to win. And then having, um, you know, having it be without categories that will completely throw off all the financial models of all the awards. Like I get that, but, but ultimately I think everyone in that community that came together that night and celebrated, they thought, yeah, those are 20 really terrific ideas. And, uh, and that's kind of all, all we're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think it's a little bit like, um, I look at the sports industry as, is, or like, as a as a model i mean you you have an mvp you have a you know top scorer for the year you might have a particular trophy for certain areas but the nba or the nfl they have 
it's not a lot of trophies. It's, it's, you know, and there's, there's hundreds of players, but there's not that many to give out. And it's in specific areas like best defense, best offensive tackle, best. And that's it. Like it's not, it's not category upon category. Um, and I think that's where we need to maybe shift it. I don't think it, I don't know if it can ever go back words. Cause that's kind of where it was like, you know, you'd had the Cleos and then you had the lions and that was kind of, that was it. And now we've sort of splintered off into all sorts of, you know, places, you know, and I think, and you multiple categories per multiple campaigns, like copy AD, you know, just across the, the board, just too many awards. So I don't know if we can ever go back, but I definitely look at the sports industry as like a model for awarding the best of the best and just leaving it at that. It's, but I don't think we'll ever get back there. Yeah. I, I, I look at uh, like when you talk about the multiple categories, I, I always, I always point out that, you know, yes, advertising has a lot of different dimensions to it now. And I think it's become far more interesting because of it, but it's like, you know, world peace is also complicated and there's still one Nobel peace, peace prize a year. It's like it's, it, it can be pretty simple or, or, or you look at the Academy Awards and it's like, there's no, <laughs> you look at the Academy Awards, there's no short list. There's no like, yeah, we liked this, but you know, it's like, Hey, here's your finalist. Here's your winner. One winner, like whatever the five to 10 finalists, like done. Like there's nothing wrong with that. So, so I don't, I don't know, maybe, maybe it, it feels like it's backwards, but I think, I think collectively if agencies or brands can say, let's support one international show, one national show and one regional or local show, I can just be done with it, you know, like stop being so award centric. Cause it, again, I think it changed, it, ch yeah, it changes behavior. Like it really changes conversation within, within your agency. And, and you stop worrying about what's going to be right for that brand. And you start worrying about what's going to show up well in a case history video. It like, it genuinely happens on a regular basis. And I don't understand why clients would ever put up with that, but they do. Other than that, I really like awards. <laughs> But I mean, you guys talk about, especially you, Chris, like it, it, it might not be going back. Uh, so I want to just keep on that pace and let's talk about things not going back because with social media and shifting creativity and fast production uh, nowadays, how do you guys imagine like social media managers can benefit from, you know, switching up their practices that go against this conventional expectation nowadays? I'm going to leave that one to Kevin. <laughs> I thought you were going to take it. I'm like, oh, thank God Chris is going to do this. Uh, no, okay. I'll get, I'll get us, I'll get us started. I'll get us. It is I'll hard. But he, but let's like, okay. So you're talking about like the, the speed at which, you know, content and creation is, is sort of happening nowadays. And how do we exactly. demand, balance right? like, yeah, the demand for content and the demand and how do you keep up with, with that demand while still being creative? I think that's like, that's the, that's the golden ticket, right? Like if you can do that, I think, you know, I'm not saying, I would say like volume isn't necessarily key, but I, I think that, you know, a lot of brands are focused on volume now. Like how, how do we fill up all of these channels? Like Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, um, you know, LinkedIn, like how do we actually fill up these channels with enough good content? And I think if you've got a core spirit of your brand and you've got a really good story to tell, I think it gets easier um, because you have that sort of guiding light and you can kind of figure out what do you, 
do per it. I think also, if you also realize that creativity isn't necessarily about production value, um, creativity can be simply great, a great tweet that just hits home, like um, could be done very, very easily. Like I really like the, the WWF's um, response to the Twitter, you know, Twitter changing to X and them just really, they understand their audience. They understand. I don't know if you saw that Kevin, but they just basically did the evolution of the Twitter logo. And then of course the X at the end, and they're basically saying, you know, protect our wildlife, you know, don't let them go <laughs> extinct. Right. So it really like, and it's such a small idea, but just executed extremely cheap, pretty easy. And it's just like, if they, and they understand their core audience, they understand their brand, they understand like the, the, the language that they can use. And I think that makes it much easier to tap into creativity and, and make something very sort of on the, on the nose. And at the same time, doesn't take a huge amount of production resources. So I think it comes down to that really knowing who you are and your audiences and then just lowering the bar in terms of the, you know, it doesn't have to be this giant production. It can, it can be simple stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, and to me, it, it just feels like social media more than even other aspects of marketing is just so reactionary. I mean, uh, you know, we we're talking earlier about, you know, hundred million people signing up on threads in the first week. It's just like, all right. So the brands that are there early, like there's no way they took that step back and said, are we here? Like, what's, like, what's, what's our rationale? I, I think, you know, the social media is, is crazy. Marketing is crazy. Social media is crazy because we make it crazy. I mean, ultimately, you know, we, we get to make the rules. So when you look at conventional expectations, you could look at that as, as a list of what not to do, you know, like, what if you just posted, you know, when you had something worthwhile to say, not when the algorithms say that, you know, Hey, it's Tuesday morning and, your readership is going to be at its best. Like, if you don't have anything interesting to say, don't say it. Or what if your account wasn't, you know, all about growth? It was about, you know, just being for your biggest advocates. And you don't care if that's, you know, just a few thousand people. It's like, how are you going to engage them and let them be your sort of amplifier? Or, you know, I think it just kind of goes back to goals. You know, it's like if, if your goals are to increase engagement rates, you end up with posts that are like, you know, what do you think? Or tag, tag your bestie. Like it, it, it's these bullshitty sorts of things. But I think if your goal is more aspiring, you know, like it, it, at Liquid Death, they talk about, you know, every time we, we release something, we want to own the internet that day. It's like, cool. All right. So, so that means they're, you know, who knows how often they're going to post, but it also gives them a lot of sort of creative freedom to go, how are you going to own the internet that day? Cause that can happen in a bunch of different ways. At Oatly, you know, at least part of our, our, our social strategy um, was, you know, acting like a human, not a company. And that can kind of come to life in, in social as well. And so I think you can kind of set these goals to guide you to more interesting behavior that, again, like if you're, you're under pressure of, you know, posting a, a certain amount of times, it's because you put yourself under that pressure. You know, if you back up and go, here's our goal. And the goal might be, you know what? We need to post every day a couple of times. And, and then you come up with a creative platform that allows you to do that. But at least then you, you're, you're kind of backing, backing it into letting, letting a, a strategy feed that in rather than just sort of following everyone else and, and, uh, in behaviors and, and algorithm recommendations and all that good type stuff. 
Does that make sense? I love that. Yeah, it makes total sense. I love that. Own the internet for a day. Like, and that's all you kind of get, right? Like everyone's mind will be on something else, but if you can, if you can own it for a day, then you're, you're doing something special. And I think that's a good try to goal to get to, right? It's awesome. Yeah. So speaking of this, uh, owning social, I know that, uh, Oatly's Instagram strategy is also have, it's having these lengthy captions. Can you elaborate a little bit on the impact of this unconventional approach on engagement? Yeah. You know, I, I think, I mean, I think the interesting thing about Oatly is like, you know, the voice, I would say the voice, it's not a brand voice. It's a company voice, you know, that there's just, there's an authenticity kind of baked in there. And, and as part of that voice, it is very much a kind of, you know, counter counter thinking of what everyone else is doing. And so you look at something like Instagram, that's kind of easy. It's a visual platform. So we're going to just use our words, you know? Um, and so having that, you know, you know, having that, uh, you know, ultimately, if you're going to get noticed, it's because you're breaking a law, you know, you're breaking something that, that you're not supposed to do. And so with with an, an Instagram long caption, you go, yeah, cool, that that was easy. <laughs> Off you go. I think it's it's harder when you get to like a TikTok where, you know, there's no clarity of expectations, you know, there's different lengths happening, there's different production values happening, different messaging. Um, there's a lot of, you know, it's kind of hard to pick a, a counter when when there's no clear momentum going one particular way um but uh but yeah i mean ultimately the the, the lens is to get noticed and you know how are you going to get noticed if you're if you're following the rules it's just it's that much harder so yeah we always look for you know what is that opportunity to, to kind of you know go the unexpected route it, it could be a big full strategy of we're going to do lengthy captions or it could be some smaller things and executional things i know in TikTok we've done some kind of longer form things as well, knowing that the the vast majority of those are shorter. Yeah, I was just gonna say that you guys did like a 10 minute or like that's, or nine minutes, like that's where everyone's saying, hey, go short, go 15 seconds. You guys are like, okay, screw that. We're gonna do 10 minutes. Let's let's push it to the limit here, like, and and go. Yeah, so like, I, I think that's a, it's a good observation, like across the board, like you don't get noticed unless you break the law. So go break the law. Now, I'm not giving our, our listeners the car blanche to go uh, murder people or, uh, or steal something. <laughs> Don't break the actual laws, I guess. Uh, but go break the laws of the internet and uh, go see how, how that sort of works for you. Cause I think you find that it does, it does end up in your favor and you'd end up building a, a better brand. Now, obviously if, if your brand is about that, like if your brand is your, you know, you're a conservative plumbing firm out of Arkansas, maybe it's not going to work for you. But, you know, if you are trying to have that brand voice and that company voice, as you said, then, then certainly like that's, that's an approach. Yeah, for sure. I mean, God, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 it's always a pain in the ass, right? These video calls. Cause it's always like, you're talking over each other. It's like, it's so much better in person. Like we know, we, we know this, but Hey, it's always uh yeah, we got to work on how do we, how do we get over that hump? Someone's got to invent something to, uh, to, to get, maybe as the internet gets better as the fiber internet. But I mean, we are, 
lacking we we're we, we're towards the end and uh i also want to ask you guys as marketing experts and could you could you guys share and we talked a lot about this topic so i think it would be nice for listeners to to hear you share some unconventional advice or some core principles that you believe that our marketers should embrace in order to excel use ai that's the only advice i have <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm and kidding. your advice and your and your advice is being taken by a lot of people. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you, you ask about you know what what all marketers should embrace, you know, to to kind of you know excel or what have you. And I think you know if everyone's doing the same good thing, it's no longer a good thing. You know, I, I do think there is something to be said for seeing what everyone's doing and and doing something different. And I know that sounds super basic, but I, I just. I think the, yeah, I just, I, I think it's the easiest way to kind of, to kind of get attention. But I think just in terms of, you know, core principles, to me, the, the biggest mistake that brands make is that they care about themselves more than they do about their audience. And, and I think, you know, the more any of any sort of channels in marketing, you can put your audience first. Um, you're going to ex excel. I mean, I think part of Oatly's success has been that you know it's kind of grown out of your disinterest of reading their ads you know like they know that you're not like you're just not interested in that and so they've had a, a ton of fun with that you know so caring about the audience more than yourself and it, like whenever we talk about social you know i was always talk about social social is where the brand comes second you know even more than other channels but it, you know i think it's somewhat true in other channels as well so caring about your audience more than yourself and i think just you know being one of the two, having that be your bar, um, I think is, is, uh, is just, it's a, just a great filter um, because everyone can kind of sit in the room and go, yes, this message is on strategy. The client will really like it. You know, it's, it's similar to things we've done before. It's similar to what's out there. So it won't, you know, you know, make any waves or what have you. Yeah. Ultimately, like if you take that step back and go, is this going to be one of the two things people remember? You know, it's usually no, and that usually means you should push a bit farther. And I think the the last thing I think is just just in in terms of if you're not doing work that that is you know going to help you excel as much as possible, it's usually maybe the problem is baked into your approval process, both internally and and with with uh, clients. Um, I think one of the biggest things that that Oatly has has um, that has really um, propelled Oatly is a great trust between the C level. And and the the you know only department of mind control the folks who are doing doing the marketing, um, the fact that there's a trust there and you know they're counting on the marketing people to do marketing stuff well, um, has been uh, has just been a, a huge asset for the for the brand. I love that. Yeah, trust is is key. That's a good note to uh, to land on. So, uh, Kevin, we really appreciate your time today. It's been fantastic yeah. talking with you talking some inside baseball on uh, the industry and of course your time at Oatly and uh, we'll be following your journey and seeing where you're ending up next. But uh, thank you so much for, for joining us and thank you no guests for listening in. We hope it's been informative. Hope it's been inspiring and uh, remember to like subscribe, hit the notification bell twice, maybe three times. I don't know what you have to do these days, but uh, just hit all the buttons just you know when you get into an elevator you just 
That's what you got to do on social these days. So <laughs> do those things. And uh, we'll see you guys in the next one. Thank you for joining. Thank, Thank you, guys. You.